Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I'm your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. In this episode, instead of a specific technology topic, we will uh, focus on 5G investments, monetization, some of the ROI concerns that the Wall Street is showing and uh, looking at where 5G advanced and 6G fit into all of this discussion, right? From a commercialization point of view, 5G has been an unqualified success. However, it is less so from monetization and ROI perspectives. In spite of all the fancy advance application and services promised by 5G, only mobile broadband has seen the light of the day, so far at least. Uh, despite billions of dollars of uh, investments operators have done, they haven't been able to offer any new disruptive applications or uh, you know create new revenue streams. I think fixed wireless access is the only exception to that. The next phase of 5G, called as 5G Advance from a technology point of view or the standards point of view, uh, might address some of these concerns bringing in new capabilities. However, that might also need additional round of investments. Spooked by all of this, the financial community is starting to ask questions about when will they see the ROI for all the investments done in deploying 5G. Amidst all of this, 6G discussions are starting as well. And not to mention the recession that many expect to happen this year, as well as the likely tech industry slowdown. We have the right expert with us today to discuss these issues and answer some of these questions. He has spent decades in the telecom industry mulling over such issues, and that is Stephen Rose, general manager at IBM with responsibilities for global telco, media, entertainment, and distribution vertical. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Close followers of our show will remember that we had Stephen last year as well discussing the ROI of millimeter wave deployments and you know, many people really like the discussion and the details uh, given in the show. And Stephen, thank you for that and thank you for coming again and welcome back. Uh, absolutely. My pleasure. Lovely to be here. Let's get started with some introduction. Uh, could you briefly talk about your roles and responsibilities at IBM? and your professional background in the telecom industry, including your stints at Bell Labs, Nokia, and others? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I've been at IBM for about just over six months now. And uh, as you said before, I'm, I'm, I'm the general manager for two verticals, TME, Telco Media Entertainment, and the other one is distribution. Mm -hmm. And in that distribution business, that's made up of airline sector, consumer packaged goods, and retail. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, a, it's a very fascinating role to take because what it allows me to do is to see what's going on in different parts of the, of the tech industry from a TME perspective. But then it also allows us to, uh, uh, to look at some of the cross-pollinated technologies and use cases that are being used in other, in other sectors as well. So we bring that knowledge and that wisdom together and that insight together, and we can see how different types of technologies and different industries actually start to cooperate in what we would possibly consider to be the fourth industrial revolution. So really quite fascinating from that perspective. Prior to that, as you said, I was at Bell Labs and, and, and at Nokia for 12 years, had a thoroughly great time there. It was amazing to be at some of the uh, some of the cutting edge of network technology. Now I'm at the cutting edge of cloud AI and data technology. So you know a different place, but a but an equally impressive place to be. That and then prior to that, I was in consulting and different operators around the world. So lots of different travel, lots of different cultures, lots of different technologies, and still here. I know that kind of 
great background to be in 5G, right? Where, you know, where telco and clouds are uh, merging, where 5G is going into many, many new verticals and so on, right? So it must be exciting to look at all of those opportunities. Indeed, indeed it is. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's quite a lot actually happening in the industry right now. And, 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 and again, you know, there have been a number of concerns around, you know, whether or not the fourth industrial revolution is actually happening, whether or not, you know, 5G deployments that have been made so far are really going to bring return on invested capital. But I think we need to, to you know, understand a couple of things. One is, is the industry is, is in a learning mm-hmm. phase. You know, the industry has been around since 2G, 3G, uh, and even into 4G. And the job it's done is actually amazingly well. It's created marvelous levels of connectivity around the world from a fixed and, and, and wireless perspective. But I think the big learnings that the industry has had to sort of reorientate, you know, during this 5G era is two things. One is understanding the role and the types of capabilities that a CSP needs to have in order for them to become a different type of player themselves. So we've seen a number of different strategies uh, around whether it be structural splits or whether it be ecosystem evolution or whether it be major changes in architecture. And we'll probably dive into those topics a little bit later on. But, but you know, those are big strategies. They're big, big change strategies that take a while to embed. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is, is actually understanding and encouraging different types of investment from different types of communities, whether it be application developers or whether it be device developers or whether it be taking manufacturing industry, for example, and, and, and big industrials and agreeing somehow that their technology will become much more 5G native. So I think there are a number of things that are ongoing, but we are seeing clear signals that industries are gravitating and we are starting to learn how to figure this out. So I remain hopeful. So obviously 5G came up with a lot of fanfare, lots of you know, high expectations and so on. In last couple of years, what we have seen is, you know, a little bit better uh, 4G is what 5G is right now. Mostly, you know, addressing smartphones and mobile broadband. I think fixed wireless access is the only bright spot, which is kind of brought more of a new business opportunity and new revenue streams for operators. So what do you think is the current status of operators? I mean, what are the strategies that they're working on to improve that situation? As I mentioned 5G Advance and the evolutions of 5G will bring new uh, capabilities, new features and so on. But that is still some time away. So w- what are the operators are thinking? What is your advice to them in, on what they should do and so on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I think I think to your point, I think the initial um, implementations of 5G and the launch of 5G, actually there have been you know positive signs that there were revenue growth, but they, they've been reasonably short-lived. I think one of the challenges, of course, is when you offer 5G very much on an all-you-can-eat basis, so effectively you say either continue with your 4G plan uh, and we'll throw in 5G for free or, or we'll give you 5G as an incremental lift, but what we'll do is we'll um, charge you just a little bit more for it. Of course, the market dynamics tend to hit fairly quickly. And at one point or another, one of the CSPs will decide, actually, we're going to discount on this mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, the value goes away. So 
it's it's it that is that is a a, a short lived strategy. I think that the longer term strategy still is in enterprise. I do believe that it's in 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 private five G, and I think there are you know very very solid signs. 5G deployment is accelerating. Again, it's not at a highly accelerated rate, but nevertheless, if you just look at the numbers of deployments of private 5G networks around the world, campus networks, there is definitely you know a shift towards you know adoption in many of the different uh, uh, types of environments. You know the usual things that most of the industry has been talking about. I think the other the other thing again is the industry has taken time to learn industry verticals. So if I'm a CSP today. And I'm going to head towards a a, a particular type of, of vertical, let's say the you know the oil and gas sector, and I want to understand how to add value. Then I, I need to do two things. One is I need to recruit a load of people and an ecosystem and a bunch of applications that sit on top of the network that allow me to actually then add unique service to the particular vertical. The second thing is I need to recruit a, a ton of people that actually learn how to address those customers and that they have an appreciation of the time and motion and therefore the value in terms of time, cost and quality that actually would be infused into those different environments with 5G enabled offer. So again, mm-hmm. learning th- that is happening, but we are seeing that. The one thing that I, I would suggest is that the CSPs that focus on a specific vertical and build ecosystems and build expertise around the one around that are the ones that typically are more successful in penetrating the market and driving adoption. Yeah, let's look at private networks, as you mentioned. So private networks are being offered by operators as well as lots of newer entrants whose bread and butter is private networks, right? So it's not a free reign for operators as such. And as and when they go build these networks, these tend to be smaller networks, at least initially. And as you mentioned as well, very specific to a use case or industry and so on, or specific vertical, Mm -hmm. which means operators have to get the expertise in that specific vertical. So how is that been working on? Has operators been developing these capabilities? How are they competing with the new entrants whose main business is private network? Yeah, I mean, I I think it it does, you know, sort of differ from market to market, but certainly in the smaller markets, geographic markets, there's been an opportunity for natural talent acquisition and and and, and through classical recruitment exercises, and 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 there's been a willingness to invest in some expertise, you know, directly into the operator. But I think for the most part, the the operators have decided that the ecosystem through organisations like you know global services uh, systems integrators, for example, they've been able to uh, partner with them and and ultimately the GSI has to learn how to actually present the added value of a private network to an enterprise customer and similarly the operators have to figure out how to engage with a GSI and change their model in such a way that they have a, a replicable model or, or and a scalable model that they can take to different campus environments with the systems integration and the industry vertical expertise of GSI. So I think ecosystems is a big part of that. I think also if you look at applications providers, many of the applications providers, of course, are providing those applications within a specific vertical. They are designed specifically for, for different verticals and therefore they've also can, can call on their expertise as and when necessary. So ecosystem mindset is is absolutely key. But I think the other ele- element of that is that is that finding templates that effectively allow the CSPs to cooperate with GSIs and then find a you know a a template that means that you can replicate the deal into other customers without you know having to redesign one-offs 
on every single occasion, which of course makes the cost of sale uh, too high in the long run. And uh, based on your experience uh, working with uh, these verticals and so on, what are some of the verticals and industries where you're seeing traction, real commercial traction for private networks? And what are some of the use cases that you've seen? Ports has been one of the successful studies. You know, there's huge movements of equipment and people and, and it's potentially a dangerous environment as well. So actually a number of use cases have been clearly uh, formulated over the last couple of years around that. I also think manufacturing visual inspection actually the you know we there's if there's a fantastic case study for example for vi- for computer vision or visual inspection for the Orison bridge between uh, Denmark and Sweden where we can see that instead of actually having to do you know physical inspection done by a human being uh, which is both laborious and in fact you know not just about costly but it, you know you can miss things as a human being you're tired and you're looking at a huge distance, right? A huge bridge. So using drone inspection to be able to do that combined with 4G and 5G uh, capabilities is a perfect type of example. So I think computer vision is a is a fantastic example of, of the type of 5G use case. And you can use that for inspection in factories. You can use that for outdoor inspection. You can use it for security. There's a whole host of ways in which you can apply uh, uh, visual inspection or computer vision, whichever you want to call it. So yeah, I'm very, you know, very hopeful around those particular technologies initially. Okay, yeah, good to hear. Obviously, there are many potential uh, opportunities uh, for operators and even uh, private uh, network entities. But a lot of these are small in terms of at least how they start with. And if you look at the enormous investment uh, operators have done, ROI is a real concern. We are still in the concept phase, maybe, you know, past a little bit of the concept stage and looking at actual commercial deployments, which have revenue bearing, uh, you know, contracts and so on. Mm-hmm. But uh, is there enough of them, one, for, and second, will they yield enough return on the capital for all these large investments operators have done in, in the time scale that uh, these will be implemented? Of course, it, it is a challenge. I mean, if we look at the capex intensity, you know, that was around in the last couple of years, that has scaled. And, and then again, if you look at recent announcements from some of the biggest operators around the world, there's a you know a clear decision to pull back on some of that capex intensity. But I think mm-hmm. I think one of the things that that probably is not probably is definitely Correct. is underinvested in is the whole space around operations and maintenance. And automation in the networks networks and we talk about it a lot if we look at a, a number of things that are happening right now the transition of workloads from bare metal mm-hmm. into cloud that requires a lot of expertise and a lot of resources to be able to do things like application resource management and application performance management very very important again when you're committing to a, a cloud provider for tens of millions of dollars and sometimes even more you want to make sure that the way in which you're 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 running your applications in those different environments is is optimal. That whole FinOps concept is is front and center. I think that is an area that has been underappreciated and under underinvested. Mm-hmm. I think the other element is analytics, and and when I say analytics, I really mean providing a very solid link between back office applications that are running in the NOC and front office applications that actually either as a consumer I can self serve or as a subscriber I can self-serve, or as a customer services agent, I can figure out what's happening real live within one of my subscribers. And, and especially if they're, for example, a, a high value 
a subscriber, I, you know, if I'm receiving an inbound call and I want to understand what the experience of that of that subscriber is at any one given moment in time, I don't want you know, 15 and 30 and 45 increments of, of telling me what the performance or the experience is, I want real time. And I think those are investments that aren't massive by, you know, if you if you put them in the in the context of how much money you invest in that space versus, you know, the the macro deployment of the of the radio and, 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 and the core networks, for example, in transport, it's tiny by comparison. But those are wonderful areas that if you invest well, you can get right to the heart of what your customer experience is. And that's where you can start to monetize either proactively by offering upsell mm-hmm. or just making sure that they don't churn off the network because you understand that they're happy uh, with the experience that they're getting. Okay. And uh, what has been the role of IBM? I mean, you know, everybody knows IBM, right? In the tech <laughs> industry, at least. But it's not very clear your role in the telecom ecosystem itself. What have you, have you been helping operators and the ecosystem in terms of 5G so far? Yeah, I mean, there's an, a number of things. I mean, of course, the Red Hat acquisition mm-hmm. was an absolutely key part of our ability to serve telcos and enable them to shift to hybrid cloud mm-hmm. uh, with AI and automation. And, and so that's that's clear. And we're working on two fronts. Of course, we help the operators establish an architectural design point inside of their own organization that enables them to then go back out to their vendor community, whether they be applications or network, and get them to comply to that to that particular architectural design point. Mm-hmm. What that allows them to do is then become much more efficient in the way that they provision, innovate, operate and maintain the different sets of services. So that's absolutely key. And then the other elements, of course, is automation and AI. And we have got a number of acquisitions that we've made mm-hmm. over the last few years, I should say, or and, and particularly over the last couple of years. And so, so you know, we're very, very front and center to 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 most of the operators. In fact, I would argue that most of of the operators in the world, on the network side and on the IT side of the house, have got IBM technology in it. So we've been we've been front and center, and and we continue to build on that front. And going forward, with the cloud playing a major role in in everything that CSPs and five G and six G as such will do. How, how are you envisioning the larger role of cloud in all of the operations and such? I mean, cloud obviously is going to be front and center to enabling all of these different services that will, will happen over the course of the next 5G, 5GA and 6G era. Um, it provides a massive computational fabric on which the entire network will sit. The, the key thing in this new environment, a new services era is ensuring that you can run different types of workloads in a techno-economically smart way that enables them to, to, to actually move between different types of hybrid cloud, I should say. And that's that's going to be absolutely key. If you, if, if you can do that, you will be able to run services to the lowest TCO, and you'll also be able to run them in a sustainable way as well. So, so it's going to be absolutely key that this cloud fabric connected to to a radio fac- fabric connected to uh, to a wireline fabric and, and then beyond of course into into um, non-terrestrial of course is going to be a, a key way in which all of these different um, access layers get operated and maintained you know virtualization is uh, the theme right i mean the core network has been almost fully virtualized yeah and there's a lot of virtualization on the ram side uh, although open ran i think is still ways away but uh, virtualized single vendor ran i think it's happening all over right most of the 5g networks that are being deployed right now for example c-band in the us 
uh-huh. seem to be uh, fully virtualized vran based right yeah i mean and actually what we're seeing is two things we're seeing mm-hmm. A change in the way in which CSPs think about how they're going to put out RFQs and, and, and consider the way in which they will engage RAM vendors going forward. So what they're deciding on is, is actually what is the platform and what is the orchestration and automation layer that they want to put in first. Mm-hmm. Once they've decided that, then they'll go out to the, to the RAM community and say, hey, we want you to actually bid on the basis of this is the, the assumption for uh, the operating platform on which these uh, these technologies are going to sit, these access technologies are going to sit. So that's a big change, of course, in the way that they think about that. The second thing is we've seen, um, and of course we engage with all of the RAM vendors, a considerable shift in stance towards the willingness to adopt different types of hybrid cloud, um, or, or, or I should say hybrid cloud. Um, so we're again, we're very hopeful that the industry has turned the corner in terms of accepting that this is the way forward. It's now actually just figuring out what are the permutations and constellations. So I think what you'll see to begin with is, as you said, potentially some single vendor disaggregated RAN that sits on on, on hybrid cloud. But I think what you'll see over time, of course, is these constellations, these multi-vendor constellations, and they'll they'll actually be pre-certified. Then they'll go into into live, and then we'll start to learn together how that actually then uh, happens at speed and scale. So, but again, you know, significant progress. If you look back eighteen months ago, we were nowhere near where we are today. Looking at the uh, the next phase of five uh, G, right? So five G advance starting from three GPP release eighteen and so on. What are your views on that? I think most of the fancy applications that were championed by five G will need five G advance to to be really enabled, right? So what are your views views on it? And does it need and the round of investments? Will that be as big as the first phase? No, I don't think it will be as big as the first phase, but I, of course it will, you know, it will require densification at a certain point. I think the key thing is, is there has to be a change in the way in which innovation ecosystems are built. And actually government has a big role to play in here. I think as a government organization, they're able to think about how to bring in industries and also uh, uh, telco operators build innovation platforms on which you know applications developers and the and the device developers can actually then learn as quickly as possible how to utilize the capabilities of a 5ga network so i think governments are starting to realize that they have a great role to play we've seen excellent examples in in the uk as an, as, as one example but also out in the, in the middle east in different markets where the um uh, the regulator and the and the and the government have chosen to to play a more of an active accelerator role just to get the innovation ecosystem underway. So I think it's it's not about pouring more money. I don't think that's really necessary. But I think it is reorganizing the system of innovation and then building that and that's that and, and finding ways to accelerate that. I think that's a key way in which we will see five GA uh, adoption and 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 monetization accelerate. It's interesting to hear about the role of governments, and that's not what you hear a lot from private uh, entities, right? So <laughs> could you explain what specifically that the UK and the Middle East governments are doing to uh, accelerate this ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, a lot of the time, I mean, if you, if, if, first off, I think, you know, governments create the conditions for success. So I think, you know, when, when a government is actually involved in trying to figure out how best to build um, infrastructure and, and services of national importance like telco networks are, mm-hmm. I think they start to appreciate what are the conditions for success and, and when, are it, when it comes to future you know, spectrum 
awards, for example, or, or, or creating any types of financial conditions that might be favorable uh, to accelerate the industry, they get a, you know, a direct learning of that. So I think that's, that's beneficial to the government and it's uh, beneficial to the, the, to the enterprise. I think the second element is as a CSP, it's difficult sometimes to create innovation ecosystems at scale, invest in that. You're already, already invested a lot of money and then actually build those ecosystems. But I think government actually has access to and can sponsor money, of course, and there's 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 an intrinsic benefit for the government to do it. The more that you know, the government can get innovated, and and the more revenues it can it can generate, the higher taxes it can it can collect in a year. So it's self fulfilling in many respects. But I think again, creating those conditions and those networks of relationships between enterprise customers and different types of industry sectors and organizing around that, I think those 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 where the the role of government can can come in as well. And uh, you know, WM five G was a good example of that in the UK. You know, the stuff out in the Middle East is still under wraps a little bit, so I can't go into that as a bit under NDA. But stay stay tuned. You'll see that happening in the next six months for sure. Could you explain a little bit more on the UK model that you mentioned? What specifically are they doing? How, who are benefiting? What are some of the earliest success and so on? So what WM5G did is, is they set themselves up on industry verticals. So they went into mm-hmm. uh, retail sector, I think it was, and then they went into manufacturing, they went into health sector. So they organized around that. And and then the second thing they did is they brought the telco operators in and then they set up labs and they set up platforms on which Uh, different types of industry verticals and industry applications can be built on top of those ecosystems. And they funded a lot of that. I think they put in, you know, tens of millions. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I know it was tens of millions of dollars of pounds, I should say, Mm -hmm. into kicking off those accelerators. And I think there were three sites in the UK. There was one in Birmingham, there was one down in the Southwest, and there's one in the North of the UK. So I think, you know, again, there were two great benefits to that. One is it didn't deploy all of the innovation ecosystem into London. It didn't make it a London-centric mm-hmm. uh, venture. I thought that that's a great way of actually thinking about setting up different enterprises and investment innovation ecosystems in different parts of the country. But the second thing is, is that they enabled different platforms and different um, services providers to come together on their innovation ecosystem and then find new ways to, um, to create value. So, you know, I thought it was an excellent uh, undertaking. Okay, very nice. Good to hear. Now moving to uh, 6G, while we're still discussing on what should be done with 5G, there is already discussion starting on uh, 6G. Do you think it's uh, too early to talk about 6G? What are your views on you know where it is headed, how it will be different from 5G? No, actually, I think it's, not, I, I think it's perfect timing. I think if I look back at 5G and the way 5G was... Mm-hmm in a sense, almost rushed through. Suddenly, a series of operators decided that they wanted to launch and, and the industry and the ecosystem had to catch up. I think if we if we build the kinds of systems and of, of innovation and the discussions that I was referring to earlier on, I think we will actually have a, a, a far greater success of monetizing 6G and figuring out what the use cases are over, over time. So one of the my favorite expressions is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. So I think you can have the forums, you can have the uh, discussions. It doesn't need, mean that you need to be plowing tons of money into that. But I think building towards that incrementally now uh, and figuring out uh, together is, is the right way ahead. Okay. And how uh, at IBM you're looking at 60, what are the things that you're working on and looking for? 
again, the, you know, the main areas that we'll be focused on is mass scale automation, mm-hmm. mass scale provisioning. I mean, if you just think about there is no network in the world that is having less devices, less services, less demand. Everything is in the on the increase. So the scale of AI and automation mm-hmm. has to be considered on, on, on just for, for managing the network and the number of devices. That's that's the first thing. The second thing, of course, specific to the architecture is the edge. There's a huge change in which in which edge enabled services will actually happen. So again, we will we will need to look at that. And then again, on the last point, lots of different customer segments will be formulated with the advent of of more sophisticated services. So how do you serve those customers? How do you custom, you know, how do you create customer care for those types of environment? How do you manage that at scale inside of the inside of the operator? Those are all the things that we'll be looking at as well. So so lots of opportunity for us, and and we're very excited on that. Very well. So uh, from your point of view. Uh, should uh, investors be worried about the return on capital uh, on 5G or they should wait a little longer on how these things turn out? What is your advice to some of the people who are you know, getting concerned now? Uh, again, I think patience is a virtue, but I think I would be looking for telltale signs around how much change has the organization introduced around innovation, ecosystems, investing in digitalization of the business so actually as we head into economic headwinds where the organization is sized and dimensioned according to the type of business that it wants to serve going for very clear strategies around and and very clear theories of value these are these are going to be absolutely uh, key those are the things that i would be looking for if i was an investor if i didn't see those things i'd say well probably this organization is likely to stay in the old way of operating and at a certain point in time um, it will struggle. But I think if I saw those telltale signs, then I'd be, I'd be encouraged and I'd continue to, uh, to invest. Perfect. I think that's a great uh, point to uh, conclude our discussion. Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming over. Always a joy discussing these things with you. It'll be interesting to see how uh, things turn around as we look at 5G evolution and 6G discussions continue. I look forward to that too. All the best. Thank you. And of course, looking at uh, how IBM will help the ecosystem in making these things uh, happen and so on. Yes, indeed. So folks, that's all for now. Hope you found this discussion informative and useful. If so, please hit like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening this on. I'll be back very soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting tech subject. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.